We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Also, sometimes the funny isn't always in the, in the words. I remember when I did my a comedy album yeah. and I listened to it and I thought, wow, they are missing out. Because so much of the funny is in my expressions. Mm. You know, people tell me that all the time. They're like, yo, sometimes it's not what you say. It's the way you say it. Or like your face is a punchline in and of itself. Mm. Like you're just your, the face you're making, you know. And, my, and I do have that type of face. I have in, in regular conversation, in my regular interactions in the world, it's very hard for me to hide what I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't have a poker face, you know, like it's really clear whatever I'm thinking is written all over my face. And and the thing about it is it might not service me well in the real world. Like it may be like, oh, we could tell she was not. But on stage, it really services me because it gives you a clear picture, a clear story without me having to say a word. It's a ratio. Okay, though. It's a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Zanab Johnson's an amazing comedian. She's got a special on Amazon called Hijab's Off. She makes me laugh so hard. Let's get into it. It's Zanab Johnson on Touré Show. So, what do you love about comedy? Um, I love, you know, as you just said, I really love the tension and the release. Mm. You know, I love, I mean, I think it's fun for like nonstop laughter, but I think the the comedians who can make you lean in and it's really tense and then they deliver something and then you get to release it all. I think that that's wonderful. So you love the silence I as do. you're building toward your moment. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's two different types of silence. Yes. There is the, this is terrible. Yes. What's happening? How did I get here? This is a waste of my money, a waste of my night. This is uncomfortable for me. Silence. And then there is, I am so locked in. To what you're saying, I am on the edge of every single word that you're saying. uh, And you can tell the difference? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By looking or listening? Both. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're up there looking without listening or listening without looking, then what are you doing? You got to pay attention to them. Yeah. Where? How are they doing with your... So are you shifting and changing as you're going through it? Because, like, they're not following me here, so let's go to a different story. 
yes and no. Like, I'm not a person that bends really to the audience, but I'll acknowledge what's happening. You know, like I was just doing a college a couple of days ago, and I'm talking about homeownership to (laughs) kids who are... (laughs) It's not going to work. You know, and it actually worked, but I had to acknowledge that what I was doing was unconventional. And what I was doing was probably not meeting them where they are, but I am meeting their future selves. (laughs) You said that? I did. I said, so I said, right now, laugh for your 10-year future self. So then in that way, you are building a bridge for them to be able to understand the joke. Even though I acknowledge... This joke may not mean anything to you, but think of your future self and listen with that ear. Yeah. Also, be proud of me and I have empathy for you because I know that the younger you guys get, the more impossible it will be to be a homeowner. Mm. I'm also acknowledging something that's very real for them that they already know, which is, wow, the, the world has changed a lot since my parents or their grandparents have, you know, like attained the quote-unquote American dream. But what is it about you that makes you say, I'm dying to make people laugh? <laughs> I don't, I, I have to be honest with you. I I don't, no, no, no. I love making people laugh. I love pay, making people laugh. It makes them feel good. It makes me feel good. But I don't think when I first started, I don't think I got, I don't think I thought I'm dying to make people laugh. Right. I just thought... I don't think I thought about the audience. I think I thought I could be funny. Okay. And I'm like, let me see if I can be funny. Yeah. And then in the process of being funny, you're like, wow, you're making people like enjoy themselves and that feels good. So you've done like two things in one. You've proven to yourself that you can do this thing that is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, you've made people relax and have a good time and maybe forget about their worries. Were you a funny kid? No. I don't know. I don't remember being funny. Um, and when I asked, you know, when I asked my mom, she was like, no. <laughs> and she was like, to this day, I'm not funny. <laughs> like, I'm funny on stage, but she, my mom would my mom would describe me as a severely serious person. Really? Yeah. Why? I think because I am. <laughs> Is that what your friends would say? No, I think my friends would say, like, um, Zainab is so funny. I think my friends would be like, Zainab's so funny, but she does not shy away from, like, she's not someone who needs to be funny. Like, she's somebody who, when the moment calls for serious, when the moment calls for Excuse me, when a moment calls for anything real, she'll meet you right where you're supposed to be at. Because some comics can't do that. Yeah. They live in the funny. They're going to turn everything to that. And you can't have a normal conversation with them. And I don't like those comics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I have a really close friend of mine who's a comedian. I remember this is before I ever. What's the name? No. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, tell us. I'm only not saying the name because. This might be embarrassing for him. Well, then you gotta say it. No, you know, talent you gotta protect came, the in, you talent protect came the on here. You know, talent. Yes, I know. And he him. said that before a show, <laughs> every show, Monique takes a big dump. And he, <laughs> but that it was so funny. That's funny, and like every, but everybody does, right? 
Everybody uses the bathroom. Okay. I'll tell you the story, and then we'll both decide if we should reveal the comedian. Okay. Thing. This was before I ever did comedy. This was when I was in college. But but my friend was a comedian, and he was on all the time. And he picked up my friends and I. I don't know. We were maybe going to eat or something. And a friend that he hadn't met yet got in the car. And he was like, um, she said hi to him or whatever. And he was like, oh, oh. Oh, bitch, what, you a part of a music group? Like, oh, bitch, you think you cute? You know, especially in, like, the comic view, deaf comedy, a lot. Comics, period, refer to women as, especially urban comics, quote-unquote urban comics, refer to women as bitches all the time. And so for him, that's the act. That's not personal. That's not an insult. It's like, oh, bitch, who you think you are? (laughs) Nobody laughed. She especially did not laugh. And she looked at him and said, you do not know me. Do not speak to me that way. Mm. Mm. And it was awkward and uncomfortable. And you know what I said? I was sitting in the back seat and I said, I told you. Because you brought your comedy into the real world. Yeah. It's not the same. It is, it's not the same. And he could say that on stage and probably get away with it. Yeah, you could definitely get away with it on stage. Comedians get away with it every single night. Yeah. You know, saying the things to an audience member that you can't say right. in a personal interaction. Right. With no context. Right. Right. So, I think some comics are just funny yeah. and they could go up there with the phone book and you would be rolling. Yeah. And some comics need great material yeah. and will microscope the pauses and the everything's and right. So which one are you? I think that I can make the phone book funny. Okay. But I think that in the process of me making the phone book funny, that people might be like, she's done this before. <laughs> this is, this is the bit. This, there's no way this is her first time looking at the phone book. Okay. So in a sense, while I'm crafting up there, I think, It'll be so impressive that you might have, that you might think that I took a lot of time to yeah. craft it. But yeah. No. But no. So, but so, but you do you spend a lot of time thinking about the structure, the words, the like, right? I mean, all that sort of. I, I remember seeing Chris Rock like go through that, and like, if I add a word here that adds a beat that makes this funnier, or take that away and it makes it funnier. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely particular and and I find out what is needed in the crafting of a joke on stage. Yes. And I'll try and figure it out, you know. Usually I am saying something um improvisational. Okay. Um and I decide, oh okay, this is the bit. Okay. And then I have to figure out how the bit can work over and over and over again, you know? Sometimes the thing in the room, something maybe something happened in the room that prompted that. Yeah. But the next time you do it, it's not like you have that thing again to prompt right, right, it. Right. It's not like there's that spontaneity again, right. right? So I have to figure out now how to recreate it with that same sort of, um, you know, newness. And, effect, and so that it can work over and over and it over It always again. sounds like the first time you're saying it to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So... So you spend a lot of time in the material. Are you, do you, so you're writing on stage. I always find that really interesting how they write on, how y'all write on stage. Yeah. 
because I'm a writer, I'm like, are you ever at home, pen and pad, or just talking to yourself and like working the joke out on your own time, or it all happens on stage? I think I'll do a little bit of both, but most of the work happens on stage. Wow. Um, and, and for me, I just learned throughout my journey that that's the process, that that's how I get the best material. And it takes time. Is that a risk? Sure. Like, yeah, I'm I'm going to bomb. There's going to be some quiet moments, but that's probably where I'm going to find the funny because I'm going to have to respond. I, I find that my... <laughs> My first response is usually the funniest response. Your first response to any stimulus? My first response, my first thought, that's usually like the root of my comedy. Your first thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My honest thought, my honest reaction to, you know, is usually where my comedy lives. And so if I try and write it, then the editor is going to come out and there's going to be so many pots. And we're going to get, fu- I'm going to start to think about what's funny versus how do I feel? Mm. What do I think? Yeah. And I, and I don't, I mean, you know, that, you know, how you said some people are just naturally funny. They could go up with a phone book. I think that's the part of it. Like I'm naturally funny. So my thoughts are going to naturally have some sort of humorous, um, you know, Sub to at least like like it's gonna be funny a little bit. But I like that what you said about I don't want to overthink it because now I'm oh you're almost strategizing yeah what is funny rather than your natural reaction which you trust yeah. is your natural reaction is funny because you're yeah. a funny person yeah. Also, sometimes the funny isn't always in the, in the words. I remember when I did my a comedy album yeah. and I listened to it and I thought. Wow, they are missing out because so much of the funny is in my expressions. Mm. You know, people tell me that all the time. They're like, yo, sometimes it's not what you say. It's the way you say it. Or like your face is a punchline in and of itself. Mm. Like you're just your the face you're making, you know, and my and I do have that type of face. I have in, in regular conversation, in my regular interactions in the world, it's very hard for me to hide what I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't have a poker face, you know, like it's really clear whatever I'm thinking it's written all over my face. And and the thing about it is it might not service me well in the real world. Like it may be like, oh, we could tell she was not. But on stage, it really it services me because mm-hmm. it gives you a clear picture, a clear story without me having to say a word. So you don't have to practice these faces because it's just natural as long as I'm. In, as long as I'm in the pocket, as long as I'm believing what I'm saying and reliving what I'm saying and speaking from a truthful a truthful place, then the face is going to come. It's like if you get out of your own way, you can be your best comic, right? And just first thought, best thought, natural face, like authentic present presentation, and it's going to be funny, right? Yeah. If you apply too much thought to it all, then it starts to... Get overcooked. Yeah, if I make it like too formulaic, yeah. then it's not that that works for some comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't work for me. I'm more <laughs> I hate to say this, but someone had asked you know, asked me recently, how would you describe your comedy? And I was like, I'm a vibe. Mm. I'm a vibe. Interesting. Like literally, I'm a vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, and that vibe includes like a presence. It includes like uh, performance, it includes 
like actual work, like structure, like joke structure. It includes all of that. But I'm not just one of those. Like yeah. I'm truly a vibe. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, okay, so I mean, you're gorgeous. Thank I mean, you. like, it's ridiculous. Oh, thank you. I mean, like, if you were like, I'm here as a model, I'd be like, yes, of course, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. <laughs> but don't be humble because you know you're gorgeous. Right, but you're not supposed to say that. It's like you're- no, no, you and you don't have to say it. But don't, don't, don't give me the oh, I'm not whatever. Like, like stop, no, 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 no. stop. Right, okay, right, right. okay. So go on. Generally, here's where we get in trouble. <laughs> the gorgeous girls don't try to become comedians, okay. right? A lot of our great comedians are not, let's say, not gorgeous. Okay, right? Okay, okay. So just socially, I'm I'm interested in just how you know. From somebody who's like one of the tens was like, I want to be a comedian. Like most of the tens don't make that decision. Is that an insane question? Can I can I ask that? You yeah yeah you just did. Like it's it's totally fine. And listen, thank you. I like like thank you so much for the compliments. I don't I didn't think about it like that. And while I while you know I won't play naive. While I do know that I'm an attractive person in this world and and 
very attractive. Like, I do know that. Um, I don't think that I lead with that. Right. Um, and I don't think that the basis of my existence or the decisions I make or the way I think, I don't think that that's at the very top of the list. Um, I acknowledge that, and I know that it works for me. I know that sometimes the thing that gets people's attention at first is like, oh, this is not what comedy typically looks like. Right. So she has my attention, and sometimes it's even like, well, this isn't what this can't be comedy. I'm going to shut off to this, you know. Mm. Um, uh, so I I really try to lean on. I, I really try to have strong material. When I started comedy, I had a shaved head. Okay, like and, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Which is, but I mean, like, there's a lot of sisters who have shaved heads. There are. It's not right. I mean, like I'm. I'm sure I walked past two today moving through Manhattan. Yeah, and I think now that you can see a little bit more in the world of comedy. But when I started comedy, it was me. <laughs> okay. It was me, and it was no jazz up. You know, it was no like finger waves and blonde hair. You know, like a color. It wasn't. It was straight, like just sh- like purely showing up in your like in, in my purest form. Yeah. You know, with no additives, right? Yeah. And I felt like that was a thing that allowed people to instantly take me seriously. Like, I feel like every audience, black, white, young, old, whatever the makeup, they were like, she had, I don't know what she's about to say, but she has my attention. Because she has no hair. Because she has no hair. Like, because I'm a beautiful woman, but also because I have no, you know, it's it's kind of trying to understand it, you know? Like, what am I looking at? What's about to happen? And I remember when I decided to grow it back, I told Wanda Sykes, I was like, I'm a little bit afraid. Of growing it back? Yeah. She was like, why? I was like, because people know me for having a shaved head. And she was like, it's not what you look like. It's what you're saying. She said, there's a lot, there's a lot of beautiful women who have attempted comedy throughout this life, you know? She said, it's not... What you, it's not about your hair. It's not about what you look like. Just focus on what's in here and you'll be fine. Is, is being beautiful sometimes a hurdle mm-hmm. in comedy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think it's not because, like, I'm going to be honest with you. That whole the female comedian isn't beautiful or isn't attractive. I think that's old. I think that's, <sighs> an, I think that's an old story. I really do. Like, the, the the I it's very hard for me right now to think of a of a comedian a female comedian that's not attractive, especially one of color, especially a black woman. This this unattractive. I, that's very hard for me to come up with. A, one of my peers, this like in my class of con- it's like every everybody's cute. <laughs> Everybody got to look. You know what I'm saying? Because even if you wasn't born that way, we the internet has told us how accessible it is to get a look. Sure. Everybody got a look. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? We could all buy hair. We could all buy lashes. There's tutorials online to give. Figure it out. You know what I'm saying? It's very easy nowadays. <laughs> Everybody can glow up. To get Exactly. So I'm not really seeing, I'm not really going into comedy clubs and thinking like, oh, girl. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, more like, but, but, but what I will say mm. is I, 
and I say this with all humility, I do think I am a uniquely beautiful woman mm-hmm. and I'm tall mm-hmm. and I'm you. striking 5'11". Mm. Sometimes I wear heels on stage and I'm a thin woman. Yeah. And so that, it, it's more, while there are a lot of attractive women in comedy, I think I've, I very much lean, as you said, to a sort of model yeah. aesthetic, yeah. you know, which is not so common. Do you think about modeling? Um, I have. Yeah, I did, you know, in my, in my younger day. I even with, was asked a lot to do it as a as a younger, you know, as a kid and stuff. But I don't know. I never I never liked the idea of simply um, being chosen just by—that seemed like a lot of pressure. Did you ever think about playing basketball? Yeah, I played basketball. You I did. definitely did. You're good? Yeah. I was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. What? <laughs> no, I love that you're like, I thought I, I, well, I'm trying to discern what you meant, but I thought I was pretty good. Does that mean that she was good or? No, I, I could say I was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I just, I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm being careful not to speak for people, but yeah, I think that I was. You played in co- in high school? Yes. You played yes, in college? Yes. I did not. I got I got hit by a car when I was 17 years Shut old. Shut up. Yeah. In Harlem? I was actually in Atlanta. What happened? Drunk driver. Oh, no. You were in a car, too? I was pushing the back of a car. Yeah. And Drunk what driver. Happened? Drunk driver hit me and another girl, pinned us in between the car and the truck, and, oh, no. yeah, life changed forever. What happened? What, what do you mean? Like, multiple breaks? Oh, multiple breaks. Everything, uh, like, had to, took, you know, over a year to relearn how to walk. But, like, I have metal rods in my legs. You do? Yeah. Do oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I'm working on a bit right now on stage. About what? About Tell it. Me. About how <laughs> About how I am. I just got access to a, a disabled placard. Okay. For my car. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and the world that it's opened up to me. <laughs> Okay. And you know when you say like when you when you when you look like an able-bodied person uh-huh. and you say I am taking advantage of this disabled thing uh-huh. uh people are like that's not funny. <laughs> and so I then you know reveal all of these parts of myself that allow the audience to laugh at a, a pretty unfortunate thing. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like formula for my comedy. Like somebody told me one day, they were like, you know, when I watch you, it seems like you go on stage, intentionally dig a hole for yourself, mm. and then your whole set is you getting yourself out the hole. Is that what you do? That's what somebody said. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean. I mean, do you think, so you think that joke, I take advantage of handicapped spots and and I immediately thought, well, that's funny because that's really fucked up. Yeah, that's what most so, people are thinking. So you are so you are sabotaging how the audience sees you, so that you can then. But if I make you laugh, will you like me again? Not if I make you laugh, will you like me again? But <laughs> I know my opening statement may make you judge me in a very specific way. But now I'm going to give you all of this backstory. And I'm going to give it to you in a very funny way. And it is going to make you sympathize or even empathize with me. And now everything I say now about this disabled placard, you are going to think it is is so funny. You know, it's comedy, so I can't start off with the sad story. Sure. 
You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I got to start off with like a, a, a statement that's going to get you. It's going to make you feel strongly one way or the other. Sure. Whether you laugh because you don't like what I'm saying <laughs> or you laugh because you like you're like, that's so effed up. That's <laughs> so funny. You know what I'm saying? Or like she has to be lying, yeah. you know, but then I'm going to give you information. It redirects your judgment. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, oh, well, now this is really funny. I like your structure in that it's more like storytelling Mm -hmm. in that you set a premise and then you tag a bunch of jokes onto that. Yeah. Rather than some people do short observations. Yeah. So in two minutes, I've had seven different thoughts and I'm like, can you be more focused? And when people are taking me on a journey through an idea, I, I feel more at home in that structure, which is what you do. Yeah, I, um, I've i had comedians tell me, like younger comedians tell me, wow, it's like, how it's, it's so interesting how you can spend, you know, 12 minutes on one topic. Yeah, love that. And it's like, I'm a storyteller. I remember the first time I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which is a big, like, Huge. world, yeah, comedy thing, festival. Yeah. I remember my gala set, I did five minutes on breasts on me being a small chested woman and the write up it was it was the it hit so it was like a huge deal like my set was like a breakout set at the festival and for them the write up was like how this comedian spent 5 minutes simply talking about breast but it wasn't even a sexual set right you know and i didn't even know that about myself that write up made me realize like oh i guess i do take all the time I want to really dive into a, a topic. I'm not like a quick, like, yeah. we talk about this, then we talk about this, then no. we talk about this. Because even me as a as a listener, I can't follow all those different topics. Right. No, I love a story. Yeah, I love a story. Yes, and it connects and we're going on and on. Uh, it, it, it makes me think, too, about the intelligence of the comedian to have this extended thought rather than a bunch of short thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that it, it it is a skill to keep someone interested and on a journey with you, you know, for a period of time. Right. Yeah. But I think there's also skill in writing like, the short joke, right? The, sure. the comedians who write the short jokes, they typically get the jobs as the late night host writers. Sure. The, you know what I'm saying? Because they can. No, to, I mean, an amazing little two bit thing yeah. can like blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I, I, but, but I mean, I like, I like long form, you know, I, 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 I revel in the silence, you know, where a lot of comedians, don't you know they don't want it to be silent at all for me i love it yeah. you know i don't want i don't want the the bomb silence but no, i love course. like the room Listening. being so still you know where you just are like i, I don't even i'm waiting what is what is she <laughs> about is she to going? say and i don't know going? if she's about to make me you know mad or or make me laugh i don't even know but i'm waiting for it who are your mothers and fathers as far as comedy? The comedians who nurtured you, mentored you, people you listened to, who you were like, ah, that's how you do that. Yeah, I um, I would say two strong nurturers of my comedy, um, Wanda Sykes and Keith Robinson. Okay. 
Um, I feel like, I mean, I, I always call, I don't know if Wanda knows this, but I always call her like my unofficial mentor. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe our comedy is the same, you know. I, I love that Wanda can like dive into like politics and make ev- the every man understand it and laugh at mm-hmm, it. For sure. Um, but I feel like they kind of took me under their wings and, and directed me. Like I remember... When I did Last Comic Standing, I was going to do this joke when I had advanced to the semifinals. I was going to do this joke about an early joke that I had written about, um, you know, we all we all want to be desired. Like as women, it doesn't matter. We, we want to be desired. Like it doesn't matter what anybody says. We want to be desired. Right. And my example to to uh, prove what I was saying the the joke was, um, you know, even even in the worst possible scenarios, you know, like, you know, a rapist could come in here right now and be like, I'm raping everybody. <laughs> See? What's wrong with you? Go, go on. <laughs> you come in here right now and say, I'm raping everybody except you. And you would feel like. What's wrong with me? It's like you you don't want to be raped, of course, but you also like, well, hold up. You're an idiot. What, you know what? You know what's the criteria? What 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 why am I not, not doing? Why not me? Yeah. <laughs> and that that joke that's kills. A, that's 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 a good joke. Women laugh kills. at that joke. Women laugh so hard at that joke. They laugh so hard at that joke. Men laugh at that joke. Rapists laugh at that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course, the rapists laugh. I'm sorry. You know, it's funny because uh, you remind me of, um, God, when was it? There was something. I think Daniel Tosh had done a rape joke. This is like Ooh. eight, nine years ago that was buzzing to the culture. And I remember talking about it on TV. Like, is it ever appropriate to do a rape joke? And um, is it Susie Essman? Who was who was on on Curb Your Enthusiasm? Who cursed a lot, right? She was um, his friend's wife, and oh. you know, the curly hair, really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she happened to be there that day, and I was like, "What do you think about this?" And she's like, "A comedian can say anything. Once you go into the club, everything is." And I'm like, "Even a rape joke, even a rape joke." And that was actually a really smart rape joke where the point is the rape that does not occur mm-hmm. is really the punchline. Yeah. I don't know the joke, so... No, your joke. Oh, my joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, th- oh. <sighs> I'm like, I don't know, Taj. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Wanda told me, don't say that, don't do that joke. Really? Why? She said, and this was, I mean, I had been doing comedy for about two and a half, maybe three years at this point. And she said, you are better than that joke. Really? And it's funny. It is funny. And it's a easily, I've, I've given you a premise, and then I've set up a very extreme example to get. And, and I see a character who's like, wait, wait. I mean. Yeah. No, please. But what? Yeah. I, it's funny because she told, she said, don't do the joke. And I didn't do the joke on Last Comic Standing. And I went, my friend Keith Robinson, he was uh, taping his Comedy Central special at the time, Back of the Bus, and I opened for him, and I did the joke. And the joke killed. 
killed. And I got off stage, I'm on a high. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a high. It's like everybody's there. Like, you know, Kevin Hart's like, you you need a special. You know, I'm feeling good. Aww. And then Wanda parts through the crowd. Her little petite self parts through the crowd and comes right to me. And she's like, you did the joke. And I was like, I felt like I had got caught, you know? I didn't understand it because I hadn't had enough experience yet, mm -hmm. right? To know when something is funny, but when, to know that anybody and everybody tells that joke in some way, shape, or form. That specific joke. That that type of joke, you know, like um, uh, I've... I don't. I don't want to call it out because I don't want to name people, comedians who are doing that joke. But after that day, at the the more experience I got in comedy, I could be at a club any given night and see a female comedian do a joke that's Very similar. so similar to that. So it's too common of an idea. Yeah, it's not it's, that it's rape, but it's that that idea. Everybody's doing that joke. Yeah, and and. It's almost a narrative that if if you can at all change this, it's not something that you want to perpetuate. You don't want to perpetuate that women mm. have such low self-esteem or need to be chosen. You don't, you don't want to perpetuate that, that they would be willing to have the worst thing done to them just. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. You Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. To be validated. It's interesting you say that because I think a lot of comedians I've talked to, the feeling is anything for the funny. And yeah. even if it runs counter to your political beliefs or your beliefs about life or whatever, yeah, but it's funny. 
So I don't agree with that. Okay. When I had a shaved head, I, I don't agree with that. And I mean, that joke. I, I watched you just laugh so hard at that no, joke. You, you made know? me feel bad. No, don't. That was so funny. Don't. And then you're like, no, but I shouldn't tell a joke. And I'm like, ah. No, no, no. Don't don't feel bad at all. Like, it's it's a joke, you know? And it, and it is funny. But I don't have to tell the joke, you know? And... And of all the jokes that I can be remembered for, that is not the joke I want to be remembered for, you know? But that doesn't mean it's not funny. And it, it, that's okay. Don't feel bad. I, I know. Listen, I, I thought about it. I told it. So did I knew. you stop telling it after that? When, after yeah, that Wanda was the last time I— you Because she said stop telling that joke. Well, she, she, when, she, when she told me to stop, she told me why. Because everybody does that. Well, her exact and words were, I was a better comedian. I was above that joke. You're a better person I was person a better comedian that than that joke. And at the time, I don't, I didn't, she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. You know? Wow. Now, I understand it. Now, I could probably, after doing comedy 12 years now, I could probably look at someone who's maybe doing it two years and identify something like, this is something that you are holding on to right now and and you want to keep doing it because I, I don't really agree with it. You know how you just, I don't agree with that. I think when I think about the truth of it, that that's really sad that mm. I or any woman or any person needs validation or needs to be chosen that even in the worst possible scenario, they'll be like, but wait, what about, don't leave me out. Right. You know, that's a very human thing, but that's also a sad. I don't agree with that. Right. But the the young comedian in me that wanted so badly to get those big laughs, right. that was very hard to, like, let go of, you know? It's easy for me now because I got a lot of material. I know myself. I know how to make, I know how to make some, I know how to make things so specific to me, the things that only I can tell yeah. funny. Yeah. You know, that's a joke anybody can tell. Mm. You don't even have to be a woman. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I do love those hours when I'm like, only Ronnie Chang could do that. Yeah. Only Michelle Wolf, only Dave yeah. could do that joke or those jokes. It would only, nobody, I could put it in somebody else's mouth. And right, Sarah Silverman does that at the end of Jesus's Magic, that there's a little girl mm-hmm. doing the routine and it's mm-hmm. not the same. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, you know, my special hijab's off, which comes out October 24th. Yay. Everybody watch. Um, I I do feel like this is a story that only I could tell. Yeah. So, okay, hijab's off. Mm-hmm. You are Muslim. Talk yes. about how Islam and your faith has in some ways, if anyways, curtailed what you can do, what you do do, any ways that it has lifted you up yeah. as you're trying to pursue this dream? I only feel like it's lifted me up. I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I'm... I think people all my life would describe me as a person that that was confident, that, like, knows herself, that that stood her ground. I think that's how most people saw and or see me. But for a very long time in my life, I would hide certain parts of my identity to to, to fit in, to be validated, you know? Um, none of my, very few of my close friends are Muslim. Okay. 
Okay. Most of them are have Christian faith or background, right? And I would find that I would like translate in my like my natural like uh I don't know, the things that I would naturally say like with my family, the way I would greet my family, um things that are very much based in Islam that meant a lot to me. I would sort of like hide those things or just convert it. For example, I might say like all my life, I would be like God willing, but I would only say that for everybody else. Right. If I'm talking to my sister or my mom or just by myself, I'm just like, inshallah. Right. Like, that's just what I'm going to say. Right. Right. But for everybody else, I'm just like God willing or like, that. you know, I would never like if people are like, oh, bow your heads in Jesus's name. I just like, do it. And then in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> Allahu Akbar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm right, trying yeah. to, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then I decided. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I think I wrote a joke, but I, I think I may have only said it once. Like, Ooh. you know, <laughs> Christians sure know how to mess up a good time. <laughs> like, meaning like, uh, you know, like. I'll be in prayer with like, you know, a bunch of like people who identify as Christian and they're saying everything that I'm on board with. Right. You know, like, you know, God, please bless us in our journey. Please bless it. You know, and it's like, yeah, everything I agree with. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. And then they will be like in Jesus's name. And I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> <sighs> I guess that prayer is out the window, you know, like. <laughs> That's that's me be you know, but I was always so accepting of everyone else's like um, background, faith, et cetera, and I felt like I needed to like hide mine, and and then I decided not to, and my friends were completely accepting of it and almost encouraging of it, and so when I got on stage, I felt like as a, as a comedian, I felt like it was important for me to state my identity proudly and take up that space. Um, and yeah, and part of my identity was being a Muslim, a, a Muslim. And then I noticed that like, oh, wow, I get to add to a conversation, a, a conversation or, or a narrative that is often incorrect. Yeah. We need in this country to have more stars who are Muslim. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> Christian Americans can see, oh, they're just like us. Yeah. Because so much, so many Christian Americans think Muslim and have the, have a wrong conception of what Muslims are. Yeah. And it's not just like, you know, people even identify non-Muslims as Muslims. I think, mm -hmm. I think in America, most people see Muslims as a brown person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and so they start even identifying like Sikh, you know, Indians sure. as, South, you know, South Asians as, you know, Muslims when they're not at all. They're yeah. maybe Hindu or maybe, you know. Um, There's a fear of Islam or Islamic people or yeah, Muslims. Muslims. And it, 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 it comes from a few fringe examples, but mm -hmm. they grafted onto, was it a billion, a billion yeah. people in the world? Yeah. I, I always like to say it like this. Islam is a faith. Yeah. Um, it's a faith that has influenced culture 
in certain parts of the world. Yeah. But it's it's a faith. It's something that anyone can believe in. And if you're Muslim, you should probably want everyone to believe in it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also recognize that while Americans see Muslims maybe as brown individuals, maybe they see Muslim women as women that own brown women that cover up, you know? Um, I My faith is in Islam, but I am culturally a black American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with that, so 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 while I'm proudly a, a, a Muslim woman and giving another um, aesthetic to the identity, um, or 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 giving more another identity to the representation, mm-hmm. you know, there's also a lot of racism in Islam. You know, there are Muslims, there are you know brown Muslims, there are Muslims that come from different parts of the world that believe that just because I'm a black, just because I'm American, a black American, that I'm not Muslim, that I have no right to this faith. And I proudly celebrate Islam and my identity and also proudly like navigate all of those conversations, you know, all of those like narratives, like, the narrative of we're from this region and therefore we own this mm-hmm. and only we can tell this story. And then the other narrative, which is like, oh, I thought those types of people do this and look this way. And it's like, no. A lot of <clears throat> successful comics are sad deep down. He's <laughs> like, no, not me. Um, I'm sad you know sometimes. What I'm talking, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That there's a lot of depression. Yeah. And de- and and the comedy comes out of s- inner sadness. Yeah. And I know some people who have cultivated that sadness as a way of helping their career. Yeah. But you're like, no, not me. No, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I mean, I'm sure that in, there's times in my life where I do feel depressed. Yes. I I, I doubt that I would be diagnosed as a. Uh, depressive person, you know, someone with depression, like a constant level of depression. Um, But I'm sad sometimes and I know how to, I don't think that you need, I don't think comedy always has to come from a dark place, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm doing a bit right now about buying a house. That's wonderful. Okay. That's wonderful. Right. Um, but I'm not like, the comedy is not like, hey, y'all, I made enough money and I could buy a house. Want to see the drapes I put up? That's not funny. Right. But like all of the things that I discovered uh, in buying a house that like I never knew, there's the funny in that. Like what? Like, um, <laughs> I'm going to give some jokes away. So you're welcome. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but like I bought a house in L.A., right? And so... You know, I get up on stage and I'm like, you know, I bought a house in L.A., but like, dang, I realized I could have bought six of these in Detroit, (laughs) you know? And then that sets up. It's like, here's this great thing, but then here's this way to shit on this. You know, like, this is this very real thing. And then I go down to, like, let's see what we could get in every market. And it's like, 
dang, I chose this cute little neighborhood in L.A., but really I could have been sitting on an Airbnb fortune. Uh-huh. You know? So, like, <laughs> in the D. depending on how you look at it, it's like this great, this, this great thing I did or, like, this amazing thing I accomplished or this terrible business decision I made. Uh-huh. You know? Does mom come to your shows? She does. And she laughs at your shows? My mom laughs at my shows. I think she feels very proud. Uh, I think that the parts of her that had any aspiration to be in front of an audience ever in her life is um, is happening through me. Yeah. Yeah, she tells me that. She's like, I see so much of myself in you up there. But... <laughs> Uh, my mom is also like, she's funny. She's a critic, you know, like I remember she was at my, I was doing a weekend at the punchline in San Francisco some years back. It was when black, the first black Panther came out. That's how, that's why I remember it. Cause I remember it was such a big weekend, but yeah. it's like, yeah, I was performing. My mom was there, but also black we going Panther. to see black Panther. Yeah. And I'm up on stage and I'm talking about, you know, yeah, my mom got 13 kids. You know, I know, right. Her vagina like that, you know, I'm going into that. Right. And I give all of this material celebrating, like, this thing that my mom did, you know? Like, how, what it is to have 13 kids and how amazing... I'm making fun of her, but I'm also speaking about how amazing it is that she did this thing. At the end of maybe 25 minutes of me going in on my mom and her decision to have 13 kids, she's in the back of the room. I say, oh, my mom's here tonight. She's right there. The entire audience, 250, 300 people... They all, at the same time, turn around to look at my mom. This is what my mom does. My mom goes. <laughs> she turns around and looks the other way. My mom is looking, too. And I was, I laughed so hard. When I got on stage, I said, why did you turn around when I pointed to you? And she was like, I don't want people knowing who I am <laughs> in my business. You're referencing my vagina. I don't need that type of attention, Zainab. <laughs> You know, like, I would have, I, I could not. You couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have written that. No. I couldn't have written, you know, and then mom turns around. Right. She did that because she's she got her own sense of humor. Right. Did she complain about the jokes about her? No. No, but she does. She'll every so often, because I do, you know, I do bring a lot of my family on stage with me. She'll say, I love when you talk about us saying that, but you know, not everything goes on stage. And I know what she means by that. I know she doesn't have to say it, but I I know because I know my mother what she doesn't want me to bring on stage. And you follow that? Yeah. Because when you're in family with an artist... Mm -hmm. You might get written about, you might get joked about, you might end up in a movie or a song. Like, you got to, like, live with that. Yeah, yeah. She, My mom gives me a lot of freedom, especially, I mean, I'm an, I'm an adult. I think she knows that I'm going to do what I want regardless. But I do have a, she's never going to tell me not to say something. But when she says, you know, but you know some things. She's like, she's pleading with me. She's asking me to protect her. You know, she's asking me to protect the, the, the parts of her 
story of our story that she wants to keep private. And I, and I respect that. And there's a, are, are there specific stories that she's saying, please don't talk about that? She's not saying that to me, but I already know. Yeah. You know, things happen in, our, in, in your family that, you know. I have a thing that I want to talk about, and my mom would be annoyed. Yeah. And would be like, and I don't think I could even explain it to her, like, this is why I did that. Yeah. Because as an artist, I'm like, I do whatever I want to do. Yeah. But she'd be like, wow, really? You told everybody that? So I'm not telling it for now. Yeah, I was I was going to ask, do you think she'd feel betrayed? She might use that word. She can be very dramatic. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> she might use that word to try to, I mean, it's, the thing is that, it doesn't actually involve her. her. Mm. But she is, of course, because she's my mom, she yeah. is a, a part of all family stories. Yeah. But it's not like I'm revealing something about her. Yeah. But there's a clear, I, she didn't even say anything. I know she would not want me to talk about that. Yeah. I um, I remember listening not, not too long ago to a like Stephen A. Smith interview. Mm-hmm. I believe he wrote a book. Mm. Um, and he said something about like he waited until his mom passed away, I believe, to write the book because he knew that she wouldn't have wanted him to say the things that he was saying. And it sounds like that's what you're saying as well, that you'll wait until she can't have an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know. or, Or she can't express her disapproval. You know. Something like that. I um, I'm. Here's the thing. The things that I know, my the, the the very few things that I believe my mom feels are off limits. They are. I'm not pressed to talk about them. Okay. There's so many other things that I'm like. I want to get to this, 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 and this. You know. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, you know, that 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 there's artists that have that story where they're desperate to give the world something so shocking or so provocative in an attempt to you know, get attention mm-hmm. or revive a career or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. I am not at that point yet. You know, at this point I I can respect my mother's wishes. What is the dream from here? 12 years deep? 12 years deep. What do you what do you want like the next 5 years to bring? Um I'd like to be starring in my own TV show. Yeah. Um and sitcom. Yeah, yeah, like a comedy, definitely a comedy. Probably not a sitcom, maybe like a single camera. Comedy. You have an idea of a structure. Like, yeah, definitely. Your... Like in it, in it, and it is. It involves my family. Like you know, it, inspired by my family, inspired by my and my family's life. So definitely a, a huge family. Huge family. Yeah, yeah, and you know, told from like my point of view. Um, and yeah, I feel like the cat. Whenever I bring my my. Uh, family on stage and I don't mean like yeah. literally I mean like as the character Talking, yeah. people are like yeah I, 
I remember when I told the joke, the, the trash joke about my brother, like saying everything was trash. It's like I have seven brothers. Yeah. Ever since I told that joke, now every time I say even mention one of my brothers, bring, sh- shows a picture of one of my brothers, everybody's like, is this the trash brother? Is this him? You know? So I, there's like characters. It's like my siblings, my family, my mom, they're characters. Yeah. And I want to bring them to life, you know, on television. I want to, um, you know, I finally got to the point where like I'm confidently like selling out shows and weekends. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to take the next step. Like I'd like to be doing theaters all around the world and, you know, and selling them out and, and you know, being... Being a, a comedian that is always mentioned in the in the conversation of comedy, nice. you know, I think that's I think that's ultimately the goal. Of course, I want to, you know, have an impact and make money. I want to make a lot, a lot of money. You do. You know, I want to be very responsible with my platform. Um, I want to help. I want to tell stories. I want to help people tell stories. But ultimately, at the end of it, when I'm no longer here, I don't really want you to be able to have a conversation about comedy and not mention Zainab Johnson. Mm. Mm. Who's okay. So who's on the Mount Rushmore for you? I hate that question. Oh my God. Why do you hate that? That's <laughs> what, that is not what people normally say when I ask questions. I hate that question. I hate, it's just Fine, the Mount. You don't have to ask it no, then. Forget no, it. Forget no. it. No, no, forget it. Forget it. I, you already pooped in my question. <laughs> I retracted. It's such it's such a popular question. It is. Oh my god. Oh, it, but it's god. listen. Listen. It's so not I'm a, better than it's that. It's not a cliche question. It's not a cliche question, and it's a question that you ask anybody, right? Who's your, who's your top? Who, who's who's your Mount Rushmore of rappers? Who's your Mount Rushmore of fill in the blank? Whatever. Who's your Mount Rushmore of chemist? You know, fill. You know, who's your Mount Rushmore of journalist? Well, I know who you who, love. Who, who, then just say, who do I love? <laughs> oh, okay, because, because I said Here's Mount Rushmore. Here's the thing. Mount Rushmore in and of itself is cliche. <laughs> Those are not the people who should represent America. Sure, for sure. That in and of itself is a farce. <laughs> okay, so who's your uh, MJ and LeBron <laughs> of comedy? Is that who, better? Who are the people that I love in comedy? <laughs> Who yes, who are the people you think are the greatest comedians of all time? Oh God. I hate that question. <laughs> Cuz that's so crazy of all time. It's like we, I've only we, lived we, in my time. We, I, but you have that we have CDs. We have CDs, but yeah, here's the thing, right? So the first comedian I ever saw in my life was Eddie Murphy, right? Which the where, first comedy where, special I saw Raw. At some point in my life, somebody showed me Raw, and I thought that was the best thing I had ever seen. It was. And then somebody was like, "Oh, have you seen Delirious?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and he was like, "What? Delirious is so much better than Raw." <laughs> Raw is just the continuation of Delirious. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I ain't never heard or seen. I don't know what Delirious is. And the person was like, okay, we got to show you Delirious. And so they showed me Delirious. By the time I saw Delirious, I was probably like 17 years old. And I was like, oh, this is funny, but this ain't Raw. You like Raw better? That was my introduction to that was the first thing that I saw. I understand, like, Delirious only made me love Raw more because I see, like, oh, this was the start of this, yeah, you know? Yeah, 
But then, okay, so now that's that's that, right? So now, okay, now I'm like a college student, or you know, I'm I'm just getting out of college, you and, go? and and I'm talking Where'd to Front go? City College uh-huh. in New York City, uh-huh. CCNY, yeah, CCNY, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And I tell my I tell a friend of mine, no, I tell Keith Robinson. He said, "Who who who's your favorite comic?" I said, "Eddie Murphy." He said, "Oh, then you're gonna love Richard Pryor." Yeah. Now, you of course, learned, you hadn't heard of Richard Pryor. I heard of Richard Pryor. Of course, I heard of Richard but you Pryor. You hadn't listened to Richard Pryor. And you were in your 20s? Yeah. What were you doing with your time? (laughs) Richard Pryor is before my time. I know, but he's... Okay, continue. Right? So it's the same. It's like people who come before a generation have a hard time realizing this. But like if I say... if If I sing an escape song because I grew up on escape. Yeah. Right? And my little sister, because again, right, we have like a 22-year gap. We have we have three different generations between yeah. the siblings, yeah. right? So my little sister might go, oh, man, oh, oh, um, uh, oh, yeah, Coco Jones did a cover of, Coco Jones sang that song. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you mean, oh, you mean Coco I do not get mad at that. Okay. And I don't say, ah. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Escape was the cocoa before cocoa. I just recognize that she gets what she gets in her time. Yeah. And I get, and every single person is made but, away, right? It, so, so hold on one second. <laughs> so I go back and I listen to Richard Pryor. I mean, I'm I'm listening to Richard Pryor albums. And it's funny and it's inspiring, but it, it's not Eddie Murphy to me. Wow. I know, I know, I know, I know. People are going to have a fit. I'm having a fit. I know. having a fit inside. I know, because he's your Eddie Murphy. Okay, go on. He's Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy. But do you understand right now today, do you understand that while I'm like, oh my God, Eddie Murphy, there's somebody, there's some 17-year-old that's like, DC Young Fly? (sighs) But and, you, I, and I'm like, no, Eddie Murphy. And they're like, who's that? But you're, so you, but you, but Raw is special to you because that's the first time you really got, it, sound, it sounds like that was the first time you really got immersed in comedy. Yes. So you're dealing with that first yes. thing. Yes. You, as, a, as an experienced comic, can see. Yes. Well, oh, he clearly develops into a better comedian with Delirious. And surely Richard Pryor is of a more course. intelligent comedian than Eddie Murphy. Of course. Of course. So while I can see that, you're asking me who my favorite elicits yeah. an emotional, it elicits yeah. a reaction. Yeah. Right? So while I can see that, while I can watch, while I can watch uh, old Bill Cosby tapes and and learn and like, wow, that is, he's a master yeah, yeah. at captivating an audience. Sure. He's a master. You're never going to hear me say he's my favorite comedian because he doesn't, he doesn't elicit any emotional, I don't have a connection to his stand-up. Really? As much as I can watch it now and recognize what a master class it is, I don't have, that. that just wasn't a time the, the, you think you don't have a the, you don't have that connection to Cosby because you were not listening to those records when they came out. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So, so who is it <laughs> post Eddie 
who you were like, oh, no, but that album, that person. Um, I think today that person for me is Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think most consistently, I think like I, you know, I I I have a a certain expectation for Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um, I think one of those people are Wanda Sykes. You yeah. know, um, I think one of those people that I just that I just love watching is like a Michael Che. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, that I enjoy when I'm at the club. And I get and I know it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to see a comedian when I'm at a club. It's like a Yamanika Saunders, you oh, know. Yeah, I don't know her. Yeah, yeah okay. check her out. She's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go on. You know, I think Chris Rock is amazing. Of course, um, I I loved Bill Burr. Okay. He was a comedian very early. when I started going to comedy clubs. He was a comedian that he, I saw. Why? Why are we talking about? Him? Bill, do you not love him anymore? Did he die? I did. I haven't looked at my phone in 45 minutes. Did, did something happen? Bill Burr is not deceased. <laughs> okay. From what well, I you're know. Like, Bill Burr was great. I'm like, is he not great anymore? Yeah. No, he, no, no, no. I mean, you I could think, say it. No, 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 no. It's not that he's not great. I just remember at a time feeling like, ooh, so excited when, when Bill got on stage. So wait, Chappelle, as an experienced comedian, yes. what is, what makes Chappelle so great? Um, I feel like whenever I watch Dave Chappelle perform, I feel like he's, he makes me laugh and I also walk away like, I would have never, I, I ain't think about it like that. Or I would have never thought that or, oh, wow, that's so interesting. I like when people can mix like, and dare I say it, I feel like I'm one of these comedians, but can mix like, oh, you just being so silly. Like I'm laughing because you're being so silly, but also you put me on to something. You either put me on to very specific information or experiences that I have not had or a perspective that I, that I, that I don't have. Yeah. And you've opened me up to this other perspective and yeah, I he's really also like that. he's both. He could make the phone book funny, but he also has very precise, precise material. Yeah. And I marvel at the stories, the transitions, yeah. the the sort of sleight of hand and the structures of it. I, I think also too, as a performance style, I tend to like the comedian that makes the audience come to them. What do you mean? Dave Chappelle can sit on stage. He can stand there, take out a cigarette, like take his time. And the audience is just, he he feels no pressure to make them feel a way, no pressure to make them immediately. He's not trying to convince them. Now, the world loves him. Like, we probably shouldn't use him as an example because... He's a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the people show up, even if they don't like Dave Chappelle, they showing up just to say they showed up. You know what I'm saying? Just to be cool. Like, he's a cool act, you yeah, know, to be, sure. a, to, to, to be in the presence of. Yeah. Um, but the comedians who 
who they stay in the pocket. I guess that's like a term that comics use. They stay in the pocket, like, and you have to come to them. They're not concerned with making you. They're not really concerned with your approval or you, you impressing you. You know, you know, you see the comedian, and they're like they're up there giving it their all. You know, like, right, right, right. They're not saying that, but. Everything in their energy is like, approve of this, approve of this, approve of this. They doing act outs, they sweating bullets, and the audience is like, and so they just do the act out harder. I like comedians. It, it, I am a fan of the comedian. It's like, I, I got what I got. I know what I got is good. And I'm going to let you come get it. And if you don't want to come get it, then that's that's on, that's what your loss. Mm, I like that. I'm much more. That's that's comfortable. I, I don't know. Those are the comedians I remember. If you're funny, right? If you're funny and we have a good time, then I'm gonna laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but I might not. Le- I might not remember your name when you get off stage. I might not. You know. But the comedians that really pull me in, it's like. Oh yeah, I'm repeating what you're saying. Yeah, I'm talking about you too. I'm saying, have you seen? Have you heard this? Have you? And it's just an energy difference. It's, it's an energy not, difference. It's not in the actual jokes. No. Although I could see jokes that represent more of a neediness mm-hmm. versus jokes that are. I mean, like the courage to tell a long story mm-hmm. and to have silence mm-hmm. suggests. What you're saying, that you're going to come to me, you're going to do this my way. Yeah. I'm not dying for your approval. I am telling you my stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, of course. It's like, right, if we're still talking about you, but it's like, yeah, he's an amazing joke writer, right? But he also, and I think, I don't know if this was him at the beginning. You know, I think that this is like, he's he's a vet at this point. But it's just like, there's like comfort in... I don't know, the silence, the, you know, like, I don't know. So wait, you're friends with Keith Robinson. Robinson. So you think he's going to listen to this? Probably. Oh, uh, no, Keith is like. I liked your first answer (laughs) because I'm mad at him. (laughs) Are you mad at Keith? Do you Uh, know Keith? No is a strong word. I was at a a tiny show that he was at and he was doing his act and I laughed and it was something where very few people in the room laughed, but yeah. it hit me and I laughed kind of loud. And then he did like a whole two minutes on my laugh, like dissing my laugh. And I was like, I supported your comedy <laughs> and now you're making fun of me and how I laugh. I'm like, fuck you, Keith Robinson. <laughs> you know what's you know what I find? The audience takes um t- takes everything so personal. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, I don't expect the comic to make fun of me. For, like, I've definitely been, like, look, I went to see Paul Mooney once. Yeah. I mean, I saw Paul Mooney many times, but yeah. this specific time. I love Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney was the shit. Yeah. I was with was? My... Did he Did he pass? <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> I was there with a, my girlfriend who was mixed. Okay. And then we were there with another couple, the guy... You would probably guess he was mixed, and but you know he's black, and his girlfriend was white. And we go to Caroline's. They put us right in the front. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, 
oh God, we are in the splash zone. Paul's going to come over here and crush us for being all mixed and white women and all the and and he he gave it to us a little bit but it was it was all fair but i'm like but you made fun of my laugh well your That's laugh what was probably to do. funny huh your laugh was probably funny that fucking funny <laughs> but also like um it's it's so it's so interesting that you say that like oh he made fun of my laugh i was i was laughing at you that was a good thing right but remember like his job and our job is to make things funny, right? Mm-hmm. And you probably did help him in that moment. Like, just think about it. He made fun of your laugh for two minutes and the audience laughed for two minutes, right? Probably. So you gave him two minutes of material. <laughs> okay. I know. I know. You're like, oh, but you got two minutes of material at the expense of me. Yeah. Right? Just, just think, just, instead of thinking about it like that, like he took something from you, think about it like you gifted him with something. <laughs> you gifted him with two minutes of improvisational, you know, like bits that, that the crowd got to enjoy. And they'll never get to enjoy that moment. That was a moment yeah. Yeah. where the audience got to laugh at you for two minutes and it'll never happen again. No. Thank that God. was you had to be there. <laughs> Thank God. You know what I'm saying? Just, so you gifted you gifted that in, that entire room with your laughter. <laughs> That's how you got to look at it. Wow, I, that was an example of how you take a fact, you turn it around, you make it pretty. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, thank you so much. Thank you You're so wonderful. much for having me. It's been me. so much fun. Thank you. thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much to Zanab for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. Find me on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests. Because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door... Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.